Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrives at episode 558, Kriegatua! I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's everybody doing this week? Not too bad. Anybody watch or read anything while we were gone? I did a double feature. Hmm, what'd you do? How was your double feature? It was pretty all right. We went and saw Haunted Mansion, mm-hmm. which um, is, a, is a pretty cool little movie. It's not overly great, but it, it, was, it was fun and cute. And I thought it managed to kind of toe that line between, you know, being a legit, pseudo scary haunted house movie and still being family friendly mm-hmm. um with some great performances and a couple of laughs and you know if you compare this to the eddie murphy oh man it's great but just as a film in and of itself you know it wasn't it wasn't bad <laughs> <laughs> and then uh went and saw the meg 2 the meganing or whatever it's called mm-hmm. <laughs> and um I really enjoyed the first movie simply because it's it, it doesn't pretend to be anything other than hey here's a jaws homage with a giant shark you know <laughs> and it's dumb and I, and I and I kind of love it for that this one really it felt like almost, it was a little darker it was almost taking itself too seriously and it it was it was just like why is there plot I didn't come for plot I came for <laughs> giant sharks eating people and then the last third of the movie they get to uh, some place called fun island and the giant shark eats people <laughs> and uh, so I, I i was happy again in fact there's a absolutely amazing shot where it's like they put the camera inside the shark's mouth looking out <laughs> so the entire movie theater screen just opens up in its row of teeth and he swallows <laughs> like 50 people and then it comes down and then it comes back up again and swallows another 50. And the people are still inside the mouth screaming and carrying on on the water surface. <laughs> <laughs> of this, please. That's what I, that's what I came here for. <laughs> oh, now Jason Statham has a harpoon with an explosive on it and he's riding a jet ski jousting the shark. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, it's that level, <laughs> but not not as much fun as the first one, but uh, yeah. but but still pretty fun. Uh-huh. Keith, what about you? you? Do you do anything? I finished season two of the U.S. version of Ghosts, which I have been thoroughly enjoying. Not as much as the U.K. version. The U.K. version is on pound for pound funnier. But there's also a lot less of it. Um, but they do some interesting and cool stuff with the U.S. version and find new ways to keep it fresh, considering there is, what, three or four times the amount of episodes per season that the U.S. <laughs> U.K. version has. Right. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. And then I started, finally, I'm only two episodes in, but I started watching Arrested Development. Because mm. I'd never seen that before. Well, you'll have to let me know what you think. So far, I'm enjoying it. I think it's I think it's good. I like it. I've been listening to Smartless, and have been enjoying Jason Bateman and Will Arnett a lot. I was like, they've been talking about that on the show too. It's like, all right, I need to finally sit down and watch it. (laughs) 
and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it so far. Two yeah. episodes in, but you know, it's one of my all-time favorite sitcoms. I've heard so many people rave and love it, and you know, I didn't know the Russo brothers mm-hmm. kind of started there too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then, when they had them on the podcast, so that was like the finally the tipping point of okay, well, then, I'm gonna finally sit down and watch now, this. Now you'll see all the little Easter eggs in the uh, uh, Marvel films they did. Yeah, because yeah. there's there's some Arrested Development Easter eggs in the films. And I had no idea Ron Howard was the narrator. Yeah. Well, and it's it's produced by him and. Um, yeah, I saw that uh, in the credits. What's his producer, longtime producer friend? Uh, Grazer. Grazer, yeah, Ryan Grazer. Season four, which is the one they did for Netflix, is the first oh, season they did for Netflix, right? Because they yeah, did two, right? And well, no, I think did they do two seasons on Netflix? Because there's a season five on Netflix. Okay, so it must be season five because. I think there's only one. No, there were only there were only three on Fox. They oh, okay, so there must have been Netflix two. Well, the, the Netflix ones aren't as good as the first three seasons when they were on Fox, but mm. largely because the they, the way they were shot, the cast. You know, yeah. Obviously, it was that we had to try and get the band back together because it was well after the show had ended. And they had so right. many other commitments happening, and there. yeah, everybody was busy. Mm-hmm. So, in you, fact, they, they split the stories up. There's where... a lot of points where you can see on the ones that they tried to make it look like there was interaction. You can tell the one person that didn't happen to be there at the time because it'll be shot differently. <laughs> it's weird. You'll, it's noticeable who's who's who was there for shooting and who shot their scenes later. So, and, and I think that's there's only the a big problem yeah. is that that show works best when right. the cast is together, ripping on each other right. versus, you know, off doing their own thing. I feel bad that I never actually finished season four, but I did. I did finally go back and you know, we got through one, two, and three, and I really enjoyed it. I Mel a little bit less so because I think there were just a lot of references that went over her head. But oh uh, yeah. There's just a lot of little things, like in the end of season episode two, and he looks over to the job and says, "You mailed that check," and he just slowly backs up on the Segway. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that just makes me laugh. Did you call him Job? Job. 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 Gob. Gob. It is spelled Gob. <laughs> yeah. But but you would never know it. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. you had the subtitles on, at least exactly. not at this point in the show. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything else? That's all I did. What about you, Glenn? Uh, I think the only thing I really did was I we watched the first two episodes of Only Murders in the Building tonight. We really, really enjoyed the first two. I'm looking to be another banger season. And then I didn't really watch anything else. I watched um watched Young Guns again. Of course, I've seen that dozens and dozens of times because it's one of my favorite films. But other than that, I didn't, I didn't really do anything Did else. Did you guys finish Good Omens? Too? I have not. Um, Holly and I have been trying to watch that together. And I think we're three episodes in. And we just haven't had a chance to do it. And Robin was watching uh, Only Murders, which which is why we watched that tonight. Because she happened to be here. So otherwise, we probably would have watched Good, uh, Good Omens. But We are two we episodes in. So Yeah, we're three, I think, in. We're only one in, but oh my god, it's been so good. Yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah. I like this season almost better than the first season, and the first season was based on one of my favorite books. So, anybody Probably watching the freshness that, of it? Um, 1982 greatest geek year ever mm-hmm. documentary. Yeah, we talked about that last week. I, I, I did watch uh, uh, episode two of that this week. I got to it as that. well, and the 
the, the revelation that John Carpenter's The Thing, <laughs> Blade Runner, and Megaforce all came out on the same day. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and two flopped. of them are now regarded classics. Yeah, I say all of them flopped that, and two of them are classics now. <laughs> Megaforce will never get the recognition it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a good episode. I watched that stupid thing every single time it was on HBO as a kid. <laughs> I think I only saw it once or twice. It's bad, but man, mm-hmm. 12-year-old me was happy. <laughs> <laughs> How about Strange New Worlds? Anybody current on that one? I, d- I don't watch any I don't watch any Star Trek, any new Star oh, Trek yet. You guys are killing me. <laughs> we just did the musical episode and it was so good. <laughs> Ah, okay. <laughs> this, yeah, is, yeah. this is your weekly plug to watch Strange New Worlds. Yeah, I just, the more Star Trek comes out, and the more I fall behind, the more I don't want to watch because I feel like I got a lot of catching up to do. So it'll be one of those things that goes on a list of one day I'll catch up with everything. It, they're short seasons, and they're all good. If they don't win all of the Emmys this year in writing, <laughs> something's up. If, if, there weren't other things that I liked better. I like Star Trek. Don't get me wrong. I like Star Trek a lot. But if there wasn't other things that I liked better that, that I would get in the way, I probably would be caught up on Star Trek. But well, you know, I, I get it. You know, when 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 your friends are all going, well, let's watch season three of The Witcher, and you're kind of over it, going, do we? Do we really have to watch <laughs> season three of The Witcher? I'd much rather be watching. I don't know. Maybe we could start Yellowstone or, uh, you know, 15 of these other shows that my friends have recommended to me. But you guys have voted on The Witcher, huh? Okay. <laughs> and I feel very Jeff Goldblum because I want to ask Netflix. Now, eventually, you, you plan on having some Witcher in your Witcher <laughs> show, yes? <laughs> because I, I know all about the, the, the war in the north and the elves and the, <laughs> the this, that, and the other. And it's like, I, when is Henry Cavill going to show up and kill some monsters? That's why I tune into this. <laughs> Pretty soon, not much longer. Yeah. Not much longer. <laughs> right. Did you hear the, the, the campaign they had to do in England? <laughs> they Netflix spent, I don't know how many millions of dollars on billboards all across the UK that simply say, Yes, he's still the Witcher in season three. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently it, they, they released it and the numbers were so bad that everybody was like, oh, well, you got rid of Henry Cavill. And they're like, well, no, not yet. <laughs> it's like, wait, way to throw the other guy under the bus. Netflix. This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am C.G. Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersberg and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations in publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. 
this is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. All right, well, I did do sort of one other thing this week. Um, <laughs> sort of. Um, so I got it actually, well, last month I got my copy of, uh, well, the collection season nine, but over here it's, um, uh, John Pertwee season four, no, three, 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 and had every intention of reviewing it. And so I sit down and, you know, what I've been trying to do is make, this is my, uh, something new two minute review, by the way. So here we go. I sit down and genuinely wanted to give this, you know, a good once over and look at. But I don't want to do a review of stuff that's, you know, already been available before on previous um, media. And so I delved in and I started watching a behind the sofa and I got most of the way through it and realized, well, yeah, this is something new on here. But this is really kind of the same stuff that I talked about on the William Hartnell release that I reviewed that is pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's just, it's Doctor Who actors sitting around and, and making comments about the, sh- the episodes as they watch them, and which is all fun and great. I love the behind the sofa things. I could sit and watch those all day. So those, they're still there and they're still a lot of fun. And so I decided, okay, well, I need to go out on a quest to find something on here that is new. And so <laughs> I started looking through stuff and I knew darn well that these weren't new, but there is, um, they had, Footage from, I think it was Panopticon, which is a convention in the 1990s. And it had Ingrid Pitt and uh, Terrence Dix. And I started watching it, knowing full well that this is probably available somewhere else. But I got sucked into it and started watching it. And then I ran out of time to do anything else on that day. So I was like, all right, forget it. I'll put it aside. Come back to it. And so I came back to it. And I sat down and I said, oh, I know. This has a Making of the Time Monster, which is new. And so I'll watch that. And I think it's called Time in Atlantis. And so I sit down and I pop the disc in. And going through, flipping through Time Monster, not finding it. Oh, where is this thing? And so I was like, well, Time Monster, that was the one about Atlantis, right? So to refresh my memory, I started watching the Time Monster. And four and a half hours later... I had watched all of the Time Monster and ran out of time again and then realized that the Time Monster documentary is actually on the eighth disc, which is the special features disc for the Time Monster, which has everything else on there. So I had totally intended to go and watch um, Time in Atlantis, which I'm sure is a very, very good making of documentary. But I also ran out of time and decided, you know what? It's a great box set. Everything on there looks great. The video <laughs> looks wonderful. Time Monster <laughs> looks great in quasi high def. You know, it's up converted, obviously. Um, still a great story. Loved it. A lot of fun. Um, you know, it, it's got its problems, but I'm going to re-review that because we've obviously talked about it. But um, yeah, um, the collection, um, Doctor Who, uh, John Pertwee season three is a pretty good box set for what I've seen so far. And that's my something new two minute review. So your something new two minute review was everything is old? That you didn't do anything new. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, thanks for that report, Glenn. <laughs> the, the menus look great, but they're not any different than any of the other menus that we've already seen. So, any of the other box sets. So. 
Actually, that's not true because there is a variation on the TARDIS interior for each one. So, but they still look spectacular. I'll get around to watching the making of <laughs> sometime. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, should we move on to news? Yeah. So here's something not new either. <laughs> <laughs> kind of new, kind of new. A deluxe illustrated edition of Rose is coming out on the anniversary, the 60th anniversary. So of the Rose? special, yeah, of the novel. The novel. The novelization. Oh, Sorry. okay. I Rose has you... been out for 60 years. <laughs> the 60th anniversary no, on November 23rd oh. to coincide with the show's 60th anniversary oh. so they originally published in 2018 uh, this deluxe edition of Rose features illustrations from acclaimed artist Robert Hack I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago they did a deluxe version of a first Doctor story too that had illustrations so this is kind of the same thing but oh. for Rose Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? It was one. Of, was it the Daleks? I think it might have been. I think it Doctor was Doctor Who Daleks, and the Daleks. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, and it had really kind of neat looking illustration. I think it was just last year, wasn't it? They did that, or was it two years ago? So there. Yeah. So this is the Rose is getting that treatment. Okay. Yes. I think that makes it a little more special, um, especially since it's recognizing the uh, not reboot, but the restart of the series uh, as well. So it's getting you know some recognition for that as well on the anniversary, but the no, I'm okay with that. really cool. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I haven't seen any of the pictures yet, but they've only released the cover mm. I'm trying to post it in the chat thread. Okay. It's not wanting to go. Oh, I see it. There it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that looks cool. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I like the sixties. <laughs> effects in the background i'm running yeah. my mouse across it trying to turn it like you the like you can on amazon <laughs> where you could spin the book around and see it you know 360 turn, know. turn. yeah it's not turning it's just like sliding around my screen how's that working for you glenn it's not <laughs> it can be pre-ordered now and glenn didn't you read the novelization 
I read the novelization of Rose, yes, back when it came out. That's pretty snazzy looking. It is snazzy yeah. looking. I can if you you know I'm always very especially something that was I mean the the target novelization literally was just released what four five years ago. So I'm a little okay you're you're republishing that, but I think when you have a little bit of a, a gimmick or something that gives it a fresh look like this with the illustrations, I think that's that's a good idea. I'm I'm on board with that. Well, especially when there doesn't seem to be quite as many things being released for purchase to celebrate the anniversary. There's, it seems like what not as many, you know, retrospective aspects of Mm -hmm. the show are kind of being explored. It seems like a lot of the releases that we're getting are kind of stuff that's been on the docket that we're aware of anyways, and not, Oh look, I can go reminisce about the history of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, don't like you? There was from the fiftieth. That's what I was saying. Don't you remember the fiftieth? We had a lot of those retrospective um, media that was, was, was talking about fifty years, and I suppose because maybe fifty is more of an earmark year, but I still think you know ten years on, maybe they didn't. Maybe that that kind of stuff didn't sell though as well, and so maybe they're kind of soft selling some things now, so that. They maybe maybe they ended up with a lot of stock of a lot of that stuff, and so they've kind of backed off awesome. of this anniversary. But I just it was kind of nice that everywhere you turned, it was you know Doctor Who 50th anniversary related stuff. It's just not out there this year. The illustrated edition of Doctor Who and the Daleks did come out last year in March. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I think I put it on my Christmas list last year. Which neither of you got for me. So, always this year. Am I am I crazy for for kind of hoping that once we get to you know the, the anniversary and we're officially in the 60th year, that like maybe in you know January February whenever the, the the specials are getting ready to come out, that we'll get a new version of the Doctors Revisited, and that they'll compile a collection that includes 12, 13, and fourteen. Because I feel like what are you, you know, talking? That about? was a thing, but that was all leading up to yeah. the fiftieth. It wasn't yeah. post fiftieth. Well, but we we can't do a box set with three doctors until fourteen airs. Oh, so, I see, oh, I see. What oh, you're saying. Yeah. a box set. I thought you just meant an airing new like. So we I'll got nine. We ones, got nine, ten, eleven. Now we need twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Is what you're saying? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I see. Well, yeah, they'll have to wait until next year to do that so they can do the specials yeah. and put them on there. Yeah. Or at least one of the I specials. I mean, unless they, unless they went back and covered, you know, Cushing or something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Or the War Doctor now. Yeah, because they didn't. Although yeah, that's true. You really couldn't because Day of the Doctor would have been the only <laughs> episode you could put on there. <laughs> the Cushing Doctor would be cool, but I think because I don't even remember who's the rights holder of that now it's been passed around so much they're very much latched onto that not doing much with it so as far as crossovers go in fact that was part of the reason why uh it couldn't be used in the 50th as a uh, easter egg Mm. i wish they'd play nice the way warner and mgm play nice with never say never again right right you know it's like just just let them use it and We'll acknowledge that it was a thing. I think it's cute that you still call it MGM. 
Bond lives at MGM. No, Bond lives at Sony now. <laughs> <laughs> MGM died a, a slow, painful death. Yes, it did. And <laughs> when the new Bond film comes out and does not have the MGM logo on it, then maybe my brain will disassociate them. Until that happens, Until Bond then. lives at MGM. All right. <laughs> Give you that. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. Well, should we move on to a review? Yes. The second Doctor Adventures, James Robert McCrimmon. From Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who. The Second Doctor Adventures, James Robert McCrimmon. Craig on tour! Be silent for James Robert McCrimmon, Laird of McCrimmon. I have to get back to the TARDIS. Hi. Right. When I say run, run. Run, 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 run! I don't know any doctors. Doctors, 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 doctors. Well done, Jamie. We made it. We did? Hi, 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 we did. What's your business here? Um, I. we. Uh... Hello, Headmaster. New recruits. This is the Doctor. And Jamie. Why'd you do it, Doctor? Do what? This. This. chaos. Is why you left Gallifrey? Why you value freedom to protect primitives like these? <laughs> My dear Raven, this isn't chaos. Patience, we sincerely hope you've had another wonderful, restful day here at the Grove. You know the evil I have fought out there in the universe? More than you'll ever encounter in your cloistered Time Lord life. Oh. Oh. oh, they got me. Orbital scanners calibrated to detect temporal energy signature. Why am I being processed? I'm not a cheese triangle, you know. This whole system will have to be placed in a time loop, effectively removed from existence. A fresh-faced Jacobite piper in the aftermath of Culloden. No. Who stepped aboard the TARDIS without a second's hesitation. Stay calm, Jamie, stay calm. How long have I been here? You don't remember. I I don't remember much about anything. In some ways, seeing all this, the the, the console, the the wee circles on the wall... It feels like no time has passed at all, but in others. It's been a lifetime. Hi. Doctor, I'm as stealthy as a wee fox. Do you honestly think I'd just wander into people and... I thought you might say that. And I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) 
stories. Jamie. Mysterious dreams of lives never haunt, never lived haunt an alien prisoner in Edinburgh Castle in the year 1776. Meanwhile, the Doctor arrives on another reluctant mission for the Time Lords, with the enigmatic Raven observing his every move. How is the Doctor's erstwhile traveling companion, Jamie McCrimmon, connected with the terrifying deaths that plague the streets in the shadow of the castle? And will Jamie ever really know his true self again? Well, it wouldn't be much of a comeback if he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, spoilers. But. <laughs> um, it was all right. <laughs> so, yeah, we're doing these one story at a time. So, because I think that this box set suffers from the same thing that the first box set did. And I think they get very ambitious with the first story. And they get very high-minded and... I don't even know what the descriptor of it would be but it, it's it's it always feels very disjointed and confusing and the story specifically yeah the story yeah and, and so and, and they did that with i felt like the first one of the, when the, for some reason the setups for all these box sets they feel like they have to do some sort of this weird timey-wimey um people not themselves and and you know it just some abstract concepts. abstract that thank you that was yeah. the, that was what i was looking for abstract construct uh, abstract concepts and they just feel like they have to do that and i don't think they needed to necessarily do that they could have kept the ideal of this entity that was drawing on jamie's memories that he didn't realize he had but are there that because the time lords had botched up taking them away or stripping them away from him that the the concept of that was good but the execution was so weirdly non-linear that it just didn't work for me and i kept getting if you if you've confused me 10 minutes into your story and i'm still confused 20 minutes into your story and i'm still confused 30 minutes into your story you've not structured your story very well and that's what i didn't like about it, it eventually it gets across what's happening and so a lot of what happens prior to the reveal makes sense, but you're in the dark as to what's really happening almost too long so that when you reveal it, it's like, well, I didn't enjoy getting to this point. If you had held my hand a little better early on, maybe I would have enjoyed the ride better. So, Yeah, it's kind of a tough balance to make because you need some of those flashbacks of... Jamie and the Doctor in the Paradox Zungle of Zaitun, you know, dealing with the Hollow Race to understand kind of what, what the threat are. is yeah. once they reveal why Jamie's memory wipe was botched. I mean, mm -hmm. it's because of these uh, Hollow Race, and then that unleashes it. And so once you get to the end of it, it kind of makes sense. But there's so much confusion leading up to that point that it's hard to follow what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then even still, once it kind of gets to where it's supposed to get to, it feels like the resolution is just a matter of, well, we just have to run back to the TARDIS and then we're safe. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like they're, they really have thought through how to, you know, solve the issue. 
other than, you know, the doctor reminds the Jamie of what happened while they traveled, and then oh, that lets the Wraith lose its power and he disappears. It's kind of like, oh, that's really all it was? And there didn't seem to be enough, as much of a threat as they kind of tried to establish early on, the the dispatchal of the threat didn't seem as high as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you, you both have absolutely nailed it. Um, in fact, I'll go one step further that the the multitude of confusion of, of Jamie's stories coming one on top of another uh, right at the beginning made me outwardly groan <laughs> thinking, oh, it's going to be one of these. And then the resolution at the end, it's like, we've got to get back to the Tartars. And then we do. And that fixes it. And I, I, I just kind of sat there dumbfounded for a minute going, wait, wait. <laughs> so you're telling me all these times that we have argued, dude, just get back in the TARDIS. Would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what craziness is this? <laughs> oh, there's a problem on planet X, doctor. Well, let's not go to planet X. Okay. And that's the end. And it's like, that was your solution to the whole story. We're just going to get back in and leave. <laughs> I mean, talk about unsatisfying. You know what would have been better? How about a whole story from older, grumpy, layered Jamie McCrimmon? Mm. I'd have been on board with that. Something weird is happening and he's got to figure it out. And then the stranger shows up claiming to be a friend that he doesn't recognize. Sure. Let's do it that way. Why do we need this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that the reason why they didn't necessarily go that route. And I think Keith and I are the only ones that read world. You read world enders, right? With uh six doctor Frobisher and, and Jamie. I think it was, we had gone beyond homework. That we were doing for our Frobisher. Uh, I don't think I did get to that. No, one I think then, Keith though. and I read, read it. Here, Keith, you read it, right? I think uh, we talked so. a little bit about it. Where it's Jamie's much, much older, and he encounters the Sixth Doctor, and his memories come back, and then he ends up he ends up being cyber. Well, spoilers. He ends up being cyber uh, converted at the end of it, but he does it. You know, he sacrifices himself in the meantime for for others and for the doctor but um well, but I, that's I, how they're going to end his story well that's a much older well yeah that's a much older well i i think things have since happened that rewrite that history but um but i i think that was the idea and i think the other thing that i have uh, i struggle with is i think that big finish wanted us to imagine a much older maybe the age that uh fraser hines is now Mm-hmm. as when he's encountering the, the third doctor, I can't do that in my head canon. I can't make him that, that old because in my head canon, the two doctors is going to happen after this. And so for me, I'm picturing Jamie who is markedly older in that story as well. I mean, that's what almost 10, 20 years later that that story takes place. So Jamie's, can be older and he can be older in this story and it still works, but I don't imagine a very much older. And, and I don't think that's where you were going with it, Sean. I think you were saying had they used an, a much older Jamie, it might've, right. you know, it would have been better, but I, I think they want us to think that 
anyway that he is much older and I, I, I can't place him in my head canon that way because he's well he's, and, and part of that is because Frazier just even having met the man Frazier sounds eternally youthful right I mean right. He, I don't know he, he's 70 or something now but he, he still does not sound all that much different than well, he and did I think on the show either in one of those interviews or an interview I saw with him somewhere else he talked about how much of a relief it was to be able to play an older version of Jamie because he didn't have to put on the, you know, more high pitched hyper, uh, character that he portrays when he's portraying a younger Jamie. But I never heard it. I don't think he skipped a beat in this one. It, it still felt felt like a young energetic Jamie. And I agree. He's like this, he has this eternally young persona about himself. Even in, even when you talk to him in person, I agree. Yeah. He just, he, he is Jamie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, not, not a fan of the, uh, structure or execution mm-hmm. on this one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Do we lose Keith? I suspect we may have lost Keith. I'm back now. He's back. Oh, there he is. I couldn't tell because I still had my uh, picture open from Rose. Sorry, Keith. We are done talking about this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was just... Uh, my two cents on the age part of it mm-hmm. is it feels like Fraser also plays it inconsistently because in this one, the Jamie we have that's afflicted seems so, so much older and then the next one, he does feel like he's the two doctors version. Mm-hmm. So I think I sort of attributed to that to his, he's also. Uh, because of the affliction. Yeah. He's ailing. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not healthy. Obviously the being taken over by this, well, this parasitic being he's, I think that has maybe drawn a lot of his energy. So I think that I could kind of, yes, he does play it like he is older, but I think that. I can attribute to the fact that he's also very worn um, having, I mean, let's just say it's been 20 years. I mean, even after 20 years, you're, you're, right. he's not a young man anymore. And he's, it is going to take a toll on him, especially when it's something like this, that's a, the affliction. So I think that, yeah, I, I, the inconsistency can be explained away by that because the next two stories, he's very much the young, youthful spry Jamie that he's, he's played in the past. That's true. Well, right, let's so you guys move, want to move on, on to the, the next green one. Man? Sure. Yeah, let's move on to the green man. Perched hundreds of miles above the forest canopy of Florestus Prime, the Grove Rehabilitation Center promises to help the staggeringly rich of the galaxy cheat death. When a reunited doctor and Jamie are dispatched by Raven to investigate the disappearance of a Time Lord, they are greeted by the Chief of Medicine, Overseer Fuller. Watching from his room at the Grove, an incapacitated doctor helplessly observes a facility from afar. Who is the lone patient waving from across the courtyard? Why is Overseer Fuller doing rounds late at night when the Grove appears to have no other patients? And what precisely does Raven know about the Green Man? More Parts cr- of this more crickets. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I expected a bit more of a dun-dun-dun from Sean. Well, yeah, part, well. that part would have gotten one. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to launch into this. Sure. So the, the first half of this is rear window. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
an incapacitated doctor, can't move, he's in a wheelchair, uh, looking at things through binoculars from the balcony. Okay, that's, and there's a murder. Okay, I, I can get behind that. I don't mind, you know, it's not like Doctor Who has never riffed on uh, a, a classic film before. I can get behind that. But it's so boring. <laughs> there's, there's, there's absolutely well, no tension. There's just, Jamie, go and explore. Jamie, come back. Jamie, hold my hand. Jamie, do the... And, you know, it's, it's great to have the two of them together. And it's necessary set up for the reveal. And it is necessary yeah. set up for the reveal. But, but so much of the two of them together was not fun camaraderie well, doctor and jamie yeah. it was just doctor and jamie were in a room hey it's... did you pack a picnic lunch yes i did would you like a sandwich well yes i think i will hey pass me the orange juice okay here you go i mean it was just business Sean, wasn't it, any... it's so boring that the second doctor kept falling asleep through it <laughs> <laughs> i rest my case thank you for making my point <laughs> much more succinctly than i did <laughs> Um, yeah, and then, okay, so we see Fuller down there, and there's, oh, the green man across the way, and now all of a sudden there's this new plant down here. He must have buried a body there. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's quite the leap. <laughs> just, just to automatically assume there must be a body. I mean, I I would almost find it more plausible that they turned the person into a plant. Mm -hmm. That sounds way more. You're on a you're on a planet full of plants. Okay, sure. You know, why do the people keep disappearing? Why do we keep seeing plants? I I don't know. Maybe those are connected, but no, there must be a murdered dead body buried <laughs> in a shallow grave in the courtyard that we can't see from here. Go investigate, Jamie. Okay. <laughs> oh, and there's this business with the security cameras. What was up with that? Well, I don't see how he 30, was supposed to be able to do that in 30 seconds. Or right. 30 second thing. right. 30 yeah, go dig a hole <laughs> with a trowel <laughs> in 30 seconds. <laughs> Cue the Mission Impossible music. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I mean, okay. I it's supposed to add the tension, but yeah. it's just unbelievable. It I've didn't. been digging holes lately, and you can't do that in 30 seconds. There's a lot of this that doesn't make sense. There's a lot of it that it, it, or is unnecessary. The, yeah. The whole first half of this just, I was going, oh, this box set is so not off to a good start. And it's continuing to not be off to a good start in the second part. And then the reveal. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It's a crinoid. Oh, now you have my attention. I'm suddenly reinvested. <laughs> Bring it on. And unfortunately, again, the execution kind of just wasn't there. Fizzles, because it? this, yeah. It just it just fizzles out, and it, it there's no real looming threat. It doesn't feel like, and sending Jamie to his death in a stairwell in a basement was like okay. We know there's something. Going well, yeah, because it's here. the middle story of a box set that's named James Robert McCrimmons. We know he's not going to die. <laughs> you know, that never never really bought that. And, uh, you know, just listening helplessly. It, it, it would have been more impactful had the doctor not sent him there. I'll you know tell you, I mean? yeah. oh, just stay where you're at. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor can had put on a pretty good. No, I've changed my mind. <laughs> I've changed my yeah, mind. I've changed what? my mind. Oh, I've changed my mind again. Get back here. Um, the doctor is a pretty decent actor though. Cause you know, I'm, I, I would have been convinced that I'd been that other guy that he was really, um, concerned and, 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 and realized that, uh, Jamie was in peril, but, 
Yeah. Um, well, and then uh, so, faking his uh, climb across the room. Right. Right. And uh, you know, you know, okay, mm-hmm. man, that was that was that was cool. But then, so okay, what's the motivation? What are we doing with the monster? What is? Let's get to the. Oh, he's just a crazy person. That's all. He, he, he wants might more as well work. be a mustache. <laughs> yeah, he must be a mustache twirling. Nothing can stop me now. Uh, really? That's where we're at. You, you, there's no grand plan. There's no. I'm going to rule the universe. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to. You. You. Well, more work. P- part of it okay. was it, part of it was he was being influenced by the crinoid. I mean, yeah. I can kind of chalk it up to that. The, but the crinoid didn't want to take over. Well, everything. yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Is the crinoid <laughs> should have had more ambition. As are here's my other thing with this, and I, I got really confused. What did what did Jamie cut open and crawl inside? Was it the crinoid? The crinoid. The he crinoid. Inside the crinoid. So the crinoid can absorb people, <laughs> but yeah. you can just as easily cut into the crinoid and slip inside of it and be undetected. <laughs> Apparently, it cannot absorb you from inside. okay they did say that but it just that seemed ridiculous apparently that seemed ridiculous a bit ridiculous yeah Uh, yeah and here's the other thing i i i liked the fact that the doctor was on to him the whole time and had concocted this way to communicate with jamie so that that the the uh, the guy fuller couldn't um didn't know when they were communicating each other. And that reveals kind of nice because you look back and go, okay, well, no wonder this was so boring <laughs> because they were actually, all the real stuff was all the, yeah, exactly. All the real stuff that was yeah. happening. We couldn't know about. And then, but then when they reveal it, it, it's almost a little convoluted. And when they do it, it's almost comical when the doctor reveals how he's making contact with Jamie to, communicate with him telepathy when he goes into these fits of oh the pain the pain it's he gets kind of silly and it's almost vaudevillian the way he acts with reacting to the pain and so that just kind of took me out of it made me giggle a little bit too knowing that it's kind of the second doctor though well that's just it but knowing that i thought he was supposed to be serious but then thinking well that's how the doctor the second doctor would fake being hurt so i guess i can accept it but i'm still it's still a little silly it makes it a little hard when he's supposed to be actually be, i guess he, they do reveal that he had been cured of the poison yeah. long ago or whatever well like know. i think you said the day before the night before or something like that yeah but the which it, means it, there's it, no reason for him to have fallen asleep quite so okay uh, so that regularly. was i'm glad you said that that was my other thing I, I made that joke about that but why was he frequently falling asleep was it also part of the act i think it was okay i think it was supposed to be yeah because they never really explained that they i think they just inferred it so i wasn't sure if that was really what they were trying to get at be, so. be, because you know i'm pretty sure i read that in in my writing 101 class that in order to drum up some excitement, your main lead character should fall asleep <laughs> frequently. Well, that then, makes for riveting writing. What seemed weird uh-huh. about that too is they've now it's it has been since the second Doctor that they've sort of implied this or or given the impression that Time Lords don't need a lot of sleep that they they sleep very very infrequently. So to have him continually nodding off, I thought was also a little out of character, even if you're recovering from 
a poison or a toxin, I still don't think that <laughs> you were going to, as a Time Lord, fall asleep that often. But I suppose if Unless that was it's a regeneration act. episode. Right, right. And then you right. fall asleep for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you Which, fall asleep then you're in a, a coma. Time, right? <laughs> or, or, I, I, or the uh, uh, third Doctor episode where he has to recover. Is it with it? Mind of Evil? When he has the traumatic... Uh, uh, episode with the fire when the, the 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 mechanism makes him recall, and then he's like out for like I don't know half the rest of that episode, laying there recovering. I, I guess on a holiday might have been. <laughs> that's that's the thing I can kind of justify the 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 sleeping is she he was actually infected, and you know if he was recovered from the poison the night before. Well, that's why he was sleeping so much up to that point. Mm, yeah, that's he true. Was, that was himself repairing himself. Because most of that was early on, and that does kind of explain and, maybe that's how he's healing himself is in those sleeping episodes. Right, because after, you know, they find the crinoid pod, he doesn't really take a nap again. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's true. I, the other complaint I have about this set, in particular these first two stories, is Raven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I've had a problem with how her voice, not her voice, but the way that her voice has been recorded throughout this whole thing. It sounds like whoever has audio mixed it, she never sounds like she is in the same environment as everyone else. And she may Does, not be. Well, she may not be. And Michael Troughton is also recording his stuff from home. Um, they, but they Michael haven't Trouton sounds like he's in the same room as well, Jamie like, I, I, in, the, in the editing of it. I'm you know going I'm to saying? disagree with you because I think Trouton sounds like he's in uh, recording in a closet. I've felt that way for both of these box sets is that I think his, his audio is a bit muffled, but on the flip side, hers is a bit, um, is it, hers is too clean. <laughs> I don't even know that it's too clean. It's almost like there's a hint of a reverb at the end of it. And that's what makes it sound like it's at a different location for me as well. So she might be recording from an, from offsite as well. They did say that um, Fraser was in studio and I think right. a few of the other actors were in studio. And I thought they said um, the actress that's playing Raven was there as well, but I may have been mistaken. Well, and, and, and some of it is Emma, does come down Emma to her Dukes. performance where she is just, you know, always smooth and the way she talks is just always that's conspiratorial the mm-hmm. and all up on the microphone the whole time. That that very much is the problem is I think it's not only the way she's written in this box set compared to the first box set, but the way she's being performed by the actress in this box set. Mm-hmm. The first Raven felt competent. She felt aloof and kind of genuinely impressed with the doctor Mm -hmm. from time to time throughout their adventure. You knew that she was dangerous by the time we got to the end with the reveal, but you didn't necessarily know why this Raven is so syrupy. Just she's laying it on thicker. Yeah, yeah, she's she's almost just trying to be evil mm. for the sake of being evil. Oh, you have to go and find this Time Lord who's disappeared. 
<laughs> oh gee i wonder if the time was this spirit is going to wind up being the doctor why are you trying to kill him lady <laughs> and you know and then when they, they have the face off at the end and and the doctor threatens him or her that's one more example where i i i, I, I michael troughton has grown on me so much over these two box sets with his portrayal of of his father <laughs> um to the point where even with the dumb humor I bought it. I agree. Because yeah, I, agree. I, yeah. I could totally visualize Patrick Troughton and Fraser Hines doing this bit you know, on TV. Yeah. I could totally see it in my mind's eye. But when he threatened her and and got to that moment, I still wanted to hear that lower voice yeah, drop. I wanted stern. him to go down yeah. and be the stern second doctor. Where because he he has moments of legit don't tempt me, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's kind of there. And this is still a little too light and lilting and, yeah. and it didn't have the same impact, but, but she still then turns around and responds with this. Oh, but I'll do this. And it, it's just like, I don't know. It's it like, feel, the, it's like the it's writers, like a different character. almost. Well, it's like the writers want to make it feel like she's in charge. But for some reason, she's not coming across as sinister as she was in the first one, and it's yeah, almost exactly. it's almost like she's she's chewing the scenery a little too much, and so now suddenly I'm not taking her serious, and I'm maybe that's, that's why she, she was she was far yeah. more sinister in the first box set when mm -hmm. we thought she was in charge, and now that it's kind of been revealed that she's pulling the strings on somebody else's behalf, behalf yeah that it's really cut her off at the knees. Yeah. But I agree with you about Michael Trout and his performance, especially in this box set. I, I, in the first one, I could hear that it wasn't Patrick Trouton throughout the whole time or most of the time. This one is, I can hardly tell when yeah. it's not that it's not Patrick Crouton. He's mm -hmm. doing such a good job and he's made it. He's, he has made it his own, but he is still channeling his father so much that it's almost indistinguishable. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think he does him as well as Frazier did, but yeah. it, it, it's, it's a performance well, it's, that I just, I still buy. You know, what's interesting. And, and I think when we listen to Helicon prime, maybe we'll hear this like I did, but I went back and listened to Fraser doing, the second doctor and I don't think it's as spot on as I thought it was. And Brilliant. the reason I say mm -hmm. that is because Michael Troughton does, if you could take the two and meld them together, you'd have the perfect Patrick Troughton because I think, uh, Fraser does it just a little too low key. And I, as far as tone, and I think that, uh, Michael does it a little too high key and so I think if you could meet in the middle, you'd have Patrick Trouton dead on. And so I'll, I'll be curious to hear what you guys think, if maybe you agree when we listen to Helicron Prime. But I went back and listened to some of his stuff, and I thought, you know, when you're not thinking about it, he sounds he does such a good Patrick Trouton. But then when you're thinking about it, it's not as good as I thought it was. I mean, it's still great. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong. It's He still sells it. He sells it as much as Michael does. But... It's you. It's not quite there as much as I thought as it was. Interesting. Well, should we move on to the shroud? Yes. 
Arriving on the planet Nineveh, the Doctor and Jamie find a desperate human colony fighting the effects of a devastating superweapon, the Shroud. Nullifying all light, the Shroud has rendered the humans blind in the face of aggressive alien invaders dubbed Squids. <laughs> and it's only a matter of time before the colony fails. The Doctor and Jamie are caught between helping the humans fight back against the Squids and investigating their latest mission for the Time Lords. But as they haven't been told what that mission is, the pair in the dark in more than in more ways than one. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I liked this one. This one was this one was good. This one was surprising all the way through. Keith, you go first this time. Yeah, I mean, this one you, I think surprising all the way through is a, is a great description because you you land in it, you have that cold open kind of of. You know, the family getting the car crash, mm-hmm. which winds up being essential to the plot later down the road. And, you know, you're you're literally in the dark through most of this story because you don't know what's going on with why, what, what the shroud is, how it's working. And you just slowly learn and learn. And then once you kind of think you have your foothold with this civilization and this, this school essentially uh, you then discover, well, the squids aren't actually evil and are there to try to help. And just the, the twists and turns just keep going. And even though I think it kind of gets convoluted near the end, overall the ride is solid enough and keeps you guessing enough that it makes it worth its while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some really cool and very high concept ideas in this story. Yeah. Um, I think where I felt it was going to fall down was I figured out, I didn't necessarily figure out who uh, Paul, is it Paul was necessarily, Mm. but I had, uh, I had a suspicion that he was more over what was going on here than, than we thought. Fortunately, they then kind of subvert that because they change his impression of what's happening or what he's doing, and they kind of turn it on its head so that he's not really the bad guy. He's kind of the unintentional bad guy, but he's not really Mm -hmm. the bad guy here. And so I liked that they did that because sometimes when you, you figure something out early on, then you're kind of disappointed when it's revealed that, oh, I was right all along. Because I kind of like to be surprised and in the dark and have those really neat, oh, I didn't even expect this guy. I love those moments. But when you figure it out early on and then that's how it ends up coming out, you almost it almost spoils it for yourself. But this one, they took and subverted that by changing the element of, of surprise about that as well. And so I think that worked. That's what made this work really well. Not to mention all along, you're, you, you're suspecting a lot of other people being involved in a lot of other things. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and I, you know, I, I didn't see the pole stuff coming, but I did see, you know, the fact that the squids weren't evil and Mm -hmm. were, you know, I, I kind of suspected that there was some sort of miscommunication going on there. I just didn't know what it was going to be. So once, you know, I wasn't too surprised by that aspect of it. Yeah. Did anybody else think this felt like a video game? 
No, but I can see it now. In fact, it would be a very good video game concept. Almost like a very familiar one. Like, I I was listening to this, and okay, we're at this base, and we've got this thing, and the squids are out there, and they're trying to get us, and it's all dark. Is it Bioshock? I think it has some elements of Bioshock. Yeah, maybe that one. But I, I just, I just had this unnerving feeling through the whole thing. It's like I've played this, <laughs> <laughs> and if I haven't, then I would play it. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, I, I think what I like about best about this is it really feels like a return to form too. And I, I've always said that I don't want my Doctor Who to necessarily be formulamatic, but I also want it to be familiar. And I think that this is just enough familiar that it's a it's a interesting story, but it does it, it feels very much in in line with um, a second Doctor story. I knew it was going to be right up your alley, Sean, when I realized it was a base under siege story. <laughs> <laughs> Bing. Like, well, this is yeah. this has got Sean written all over it. So <laughs> I do like base under siege stories, <laughs> but so. it slightly kind of inverts that. Concept, it does. Yeah, it, you know, does. It, yeah it, it does. It does. It takes some liberties on the surf on the, you know, when you get down to the bones, it's based under siege, but the surface isn't appear that way, at least initially. Well, and I think they, what they, they do really well is when it does feel like when the, you do realize it's a base under siege, it's still not exactly a base under siege, but it has to take on that element by the time that they get to that point, because it has to be, that way so they can kind of you know make the turns and surprises that you get later so i i i yeah i agree early on not so much there's the core of it later on it really starts to feel like base under siege and then well technically it was but it wasn't (laughs) they weren't they weren't as they weren't as uh in dire uh they weren't really the prisoners they thought they were or the uh seeking refuge that they were so it kind of dips into the base under siege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good one. Well, what do we have coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, uh, we return to the toy maker as part of our 60th anniversary tie in with uh, adversary archive part two. Uh, we'll be doing three individual stories, uh, one poem, one comic, and one audio. Uh, we've got Solitaire, which is uh, Companion Chronicles uh, 4.12. I swear the naming and numbering conventions on these get weirder well, and weirder. Well, it's season, <laughs> season 4, episode 12. Season 4, episode 12. Um, we get uh, The Toy Maker, which is a, uh, a poem from Now We Are 600, uh, written by James Cross and illustrated by Russell T. Davies. And then we get Endgame, which is a comic that appeared in the pages of Doctor Who magazine, uh, issues 244 through 247. So that'll be another look at what we suspect is going to be the the villain of the 60th stuff. Listeners, then, uh, we... uh, listeners, if you want to uh, follow along on, on Endgame specifically, if you don't have uh, it available to you for the um, Doctor Who magazine or even the collection that I think was put together by Panini later on, um, if you search on YouTube, there is a 
motion comic that someone has put together. And I wish I could give the guy credit. Uh, maybe I'll remember it next or I'll remember to look it up next week. But uh, if you search for it, it, it does cover the entire in-game story. And it is a lot of fun to watch because it's a motion comic. So it's just the comic panels put to motion. But it's it's really well done and very engaging so if it's and it's it's easily available to anybody that wants to happen to follow along on endgame neato maybe we'll do that for extra credit <laughs> uh and then we uh for more 60th anniversary tie-in we get some more doomsday uh the novel in our next episode uh, doomsday extraction point which would cover hours 11 through 14 followed by number 15, Wrong Place, Wrong Time, which is the next segment of the Lost in Time mobile game. So you guys will have to be reporting on that. <laughs> we assume it's, it's, it's going to be dropping at that time. We assume it's going to be dropping for that time. They haven't announced official dates on that, right? We're still, right, that is still to, to be determined. But I think because the first one was on the heels of the two-part... Um, uh, Titan comic, I really kind of feel like this will be on the heels of uh, Extraction Point. Maybe not as not as quick, not as quick, not the weekend after, but maybe not this weekend, but I have a feeling it'll be at it's least the next event, big week. Definitely not weekend. this weekend. Uh, that's true, because we've already started this one, haven't we? Yep. And then some more 60th anniversary tie-in stuff with uh, Once in Future, Two's Company. This will be the fourth installment of that saga from Big Finish. And Four from Doomsday, which I love the title. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a BBC audio adventure uh, covering hours 16 through 19. So uh, that's what's coming up on the schedule. And, of course, subject to change. Right. Um, also do want to point out that uh, we will be taking a two-week break between our next show and the week after that. Uh, it gives us a little time to... Uh, read the novelization and also we've decided this year that we're going to put a two-week break every once in a while about every quarter so this will be this quarter's uh two-week break just to give us a little time off since we've been churning these out nearly weekly for you so all right well and of course you can continue to follow along on travelingwithvortex.com if you get any value out of this podcast consider putting some value back into it you can do that by clicking on the patron link and uh, support us there uh, members do get special audios uh, sean just put up a uh, another star trek uh, this one having to do with the uh, next gen films uh, the next bit of audio that will go up will be another comic review from me um, in fact, I think that goes up tonight. And then um, Sean has another Star Trek for uh, it'll be Star Trek 103. Well, he goes back and I, you, I believe you revisited, you revisited a couple of films, and then you managed to get the last Kelvin film in that you didn't get reviewed on the last. Uh, well, I suppose I say TOS, but it's technically not TOS. It's Kelvin, <laughs> but there's some TOS in this as well. So yeah, I, I recovered the motion picture, but the new. 40th anniversary release right um because it really is a completely different movie than what had come before 
then, uh, kind of briefly <laughs> recapped the first Kelvin, got much more in-depth. Yeah, I was going to say, you really kind of went back and tore, tore, <laughs> tore apart into darkness again. <laughs> it gives me no pleasure to do so. <laughs> and, and I, sure I, I believe I, that. I, I did go back and listen. I was very favorable to Into Darkness, despite its problems on the first go-around. You did, so yeah. You were. Much... I must have been riding high on that <laughs> theater experience because, yeah. oof. Uh, but then you were much uh, more made, made up for the first time around it. made up for it with uh, how much I love Star Trek beyond. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So check those <laughs> out. And then I think Keith is doing is hosting our next, uh, trivia quiz. So that'll be up, uh, coming up later in the month or early next month as well. Also, please. And as con- I tell people, I'm sorry, no, as right. I tell people in the, in the, um, uh, um, uh, the, the short trips, if you guys are tired of the Star Trek ones, I, I, I kind of jokingly say by popular demand because we have had people ask when's mm-hmm. the next one coming. But, you know, if you're tired of it and don't want me to do Star Trek anymore or want me to do something else, by all means, write in and let us know, hey, how about doing this? Um, but, you know, I will happily talk Star Trek till the cows come home. So <laughs> <laughs> if you let me, I'll continue to blather on about it. <laughs> Also, please for, uh, consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this con- uh, podcast, this concept, this podcast. It helps uh, bump us up in ratings and recommendations. Make sure you join in our conversation on our listeners forum on Facebook. You can find us on TikTok. You can find us on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Um, we are travel at Travel Vortex on there so far. And then uh, be sure to check out Sean's Flicks with Friends. He uh, has another uh, love, and that's his movie review. So be sure to check that out. He's over on TikTok as well. And then what's the address for Flicks with Friends? Uh, website is flickswfriends.com. Yes. And then I've got a blog, trappedinthevortex.com. You can check that out as well, although I haven't put anything up recently. But I do have some plans. Uh, anything else we want to plug? before Keith, you got anything you want to plug? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next Come time. Come see Keith's kids. Yeah. <laughs> I got a my, my my work's got a new building coming up. You can watch the video online. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. If that's gonna do it for this one, until next time. I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.